Okay, Jonah 1. Hang on, let me get my glasses. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgments against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted <clears throat> to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, and he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. Boy, ain't that an answer. Just <laughs> toss me overboard. Throw me, over, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will, it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to, to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Chapter 2 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on 
all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I want to talk to you about, a, about the book of Jonah. It's a simple, for me, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a childhood memory, a childhood memory. I think on the screen, you're going to find a picture, and this is, I hope it's up there. This is my first, is it up there? Nope, there it is. This is my first memory of the book of Jonah as a child, probably around seven, eight years old. It's a, it's a famous painting. Uh, has any of y'all seen it? Well, back in the 60s, when I was growing up, we had a coffee table in the living room and a big, huge Bible. And the Bible had colored pictures in it. Okay, not just words, it had colored pictures in it. And I can remember as a child, I would open up that Bible and the first thing I flipped to was that right there because that fascinated me. It fascinated me that a, that a man was swallowed by a big fish. Okay, and it, and it did. So a couple of weeks ago, my daughter came down, and I was uh, asking her, I said, look, I, I'm going to preach on the book of Jonah. So I wanted to try to get a little bit of knowledge from her. I wanted her take on her first memory of Jonah. And so I thought maybe she might give me this bit of theology that I could use, you know, a bit of information. And if it's on the screen, this is her first memory. No joke. She said, Daddy, I remember the veggie tales. Okay? Look, she's, born, she's raised in the 90s. I was born in the 60s. It's the same story. It's the same story. Different, different memories, but it grabbed my attention. It grabbed her attention. Okay? But we find that it's not just Jonah and the big fish that's in the center of this story. You're going to find that, there's, that, that, that God is in the center of this story. And it's more than just about a, about a big fish. See, Jonah's not mentioned much in other scripture. Not much at all. Outside the book of Jonah, we do find in 2 Kings 14.25 that he is the son of Amittai. That he lived during the times of uh, King Jeroboam II, who wasn't a very good king at all. He's from Gath Heifer, Gath Heifer, which is up in northern Israel. It's right outside the uh, skirts of Galilee. And we know that he's a prophet, a messenger of God. Okay? In the New Testament, we find him in Matthew 12, 38 through 41. The Pharisees wanted to see a miraculous sign to, to, to prove Jesus' authority. And Jesus told him that the only sign that he was going to give him was the sign of Jonah. And where Jonah stayed in the fish for three days and three nights, that he also was going to stay in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So what I'm saying is this, that Jonah's a real person. He had a real experience with a real big fish. It's, it might be a veggie tale, but it's not a tale. It actually happened. Jonah lived in northern Israel, and he was more likely, more likely he was, he was uh, uh, looked up as a leader in his community. 
He was probably well respected by the people. He was well respected by King Jeroboam II. His job was to hear from God. He was a prophet. And to give his people or his king God's messages. Other than that, not much mentioned about Jonah until we get to the book of Jonah. What we do know, however, is that Jonah had a mission, an assignment from God, and a message to give to the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites. That's what his mission was. That was his assignment from God. But for some reason, and we'll discuss it this time, Jonah didn't want to deliver the message. He didn't want to. Why? Why didn't he want it? What was different about this message that, that he had had before? We know it wasn't his first message. We know that it wasn't a long sermon at all. It ain't like he was worried about forgetting about it. I don't think he was scared of the Ninevites. Uh, it, it just struck Jonah. And listen, listen to this. What God asked Jonah to do struck him personally. It was personal to Jonah. This message wasn't for his king. This message wasn't for his people. This message... Wasn't, wasn't for his family. It, it wasn't to increase the territory of Israel. <laughs> what, what made this message different is that it was for Nineveh. That's what made it different. Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. And, and probably was the largest city in the world for probably a couple decades. It was part of the Assyrian Empire in the Assyrian Empire, the Ninevites and the Israelites were opponents. They didn't like each other. The Assyrians were known to be mean, cruel. They had a terrible, terrible reputation of torturing, torturing its, uh, 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 its opponents. Nasty people. And Assyria and Nineveh just were not friends. That's it. Jonah didn't care much for them. Jonah didn't want to save Nineveh. He'd rather see Nineveh suffer under God's wrath. See, here's point one. Jonah was willing to be obedient to God as long as Jonah agreed to whom and to where he was to be sent. And he didn't want Nineveh on that list whatsoever. It was personal. Jonah said no to Nineveh. Jonah said no to God. See, uh, today's easy, not really for me, but sort of easy, to speak to you because we, we're sort of on the same page. We came here to worship the same God. I mean, we're, 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 we're grouped together. We're friends. Well, I like to think we're friends. <laughs> we think similar. I like to think that we do. We dress a little bit alike, maybe not a, a lot alike. We talk alike, some of us. <laughs> At least me and Tim Carter talk a little bit alike. <laughs> I don't even know where Tim's at today. Where is Tim? Is he? Well, we, he's got a little bit of a southern draw. But look, if all of y'all were against me, if all y'all were, in, if, I was, if I was to go, if this was the enemy's camp, and I was... 
I was to come and talk to you, and, 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 and you were my opponent, it, it'd be a little bit harder to preach that message. It's a different calling when God asks you to share a life-saving message to the ones who are against you, the ones that have a bad reputation, the ones you care nothing about, and vice versa. But here's the kicker. God chose Nineveh for Jonah. God chose Nineveh for Jonah. Jonah chose Tarshish, a place to escape, for himself. That's the difference. God wanted him to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Jonah chose Tarshish. God didn't ask Jonah to understand the message. He didn't ask him if he agreed with the message. He really didn't give him much detail. He just said, get up and go. See, Nineveh was God's concern. It was God's, it's a place of need. It was God's concern. But for Jonah, it wasn't his need. It wasn't his concern. Jonah did not need Nineveh. Jonah cared nothing for Nineveh. But God cared everything. See, God saw lost souls in Nineveh who needed grace and mercy. And Jonah saw judgment. God was chasing Nineveh. Jonah was running from Nineveh. Here it is. See, sometimes all we see in people is the sin. That's all we see. I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Sometimes all we see is a sin. See, Jonah was fixated on Nineveh's sin. God was fixated on the people. There's a difference. So here's Jonah's solution. Jonah's solution was to just get as far away from Nineveh as possible. As far away from the obligation as possible. He put as much distance between him and Nineveh as he possibly could. Matter of fact, he ran in the opposite direction, okay? Tarshish, 2,000 miles towards Spain. Nineveh, 500 miles west. He was willing to, to, to run four times the distance than he was to Nineveh. He wanted to put as much distance as he, as he possibly could. So who, the question we may ask ourselves is, who are we avoiding that maybe God has put on our heart? Who are we avoiding See, when God gives you a path, there's no other route to consider. See, Jonah chose another route. If we choose a direct path opposite, a direct path opposite than the path God desires us to travel, then what we're going to do is find ourselves running. We're going to find ourselves running. I've ran in my life. I, I, I've known God all my life as a child. I know child as a child, a small child. But at 15, I was in church. And God called me. Oh, clear as day, he called me. 
And it was an altar call. And I didn't go. I didn't go. I couldn't go. I mean, I could have gone. He was calling me to the altar. It was right there within steps of where I was sitting. But I couldn't get out the back door of the church fast enough. I don't know what it was. Uh, might have been the youth group that I was sitting around. I just thought, well, you know, nobody else is getting up. And, 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 but I could feel God pounding my chest. He was calling me. And uh, I, maybe I was more worried about what the rest of the youth people sitting around me thought. I, I really don't know. But I just didn't go. And, and I just couldn't get out of church quick enough. And what that put me on was running from him for 20 years. Not that I didn't go to church during those 20 years. Uh, not that I didn't think about God. I just chose my own path. He, 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 was, he was calling me down a path. And I just wanted to make my own path. And, 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 and I ran. But he never quit on me. He never quit on me. Let me say this. And this, this, this is... This is, this is what's been said, quote, sin or running from God. Let's just put it that way. I put, that's my part in, in this quote, running from God. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than, than, than you want to pay. Okay? Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than what you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. God, by the mercy and grace of who he is, continued his pursuit of me. He never quit. No matter how far I ran, God was always there with me. And after running longer than I wanted to and choosing my own path, I finally gave up. I finally gave up. In 1995, I was sitting in church again at my parents' church in a Westland church. And... Um, it was, a, it, was a, it was the same feeling at 15, 20 years later. And uh, this time I was ready. Uh, I, won't, I won't never forget, uh, Pastor Bruce Hopper was calling uh, an altar call. And my wife, uh, she didn't have the church background I had. She didn't have the knowledge of Christ that I had. And I won't never forget it. Uh, my, my heart was pounding. I was starting to shake. And I told my wife, I said, I got to go. And she said, go where? <laughs> she didn't. She, I mean, I, I guess she thought I wanted to go out and get a drink of water. I don't know what she thought. <laughs> Bless her heart. And I said, I got to go to the altar. And so I went to the altar. And uh, Bruce, Bruce uh, prayed with me. And uh, once you know it, um, I was a different person from that Sunday to the next Sunday, one week, um, my wife said she's seen such a difference in me, she went down to the altar the next Sunday. Yes. Question. Where and what is your Tarshish? What is your place of escape? What are you running from? Who are you avoiding? What situation are you avoiding, and are you running from God? But, 
Although I ran, although Jonah ran from God, God still chased Jonah. He, he was also chasing who? He was chasing the people of Nineveh. God was on a mission of mercy for both Jonah and Nineveh. And if we continue to ignore God, even that little bit of inside our heart of something to do, if we continue to, to ignore God, it's liable to do, this, do what it did to Jonah. And it's liable to throw us right into a storm. It may throw us right into a storm. And, and, and just ask yourself, think about this. Does God send storms in our life to get our attention? Does he? Does he? Verse 12 said he did to Jonah. Verse 12 said the storm was meant for Jonah. It was meant for Jonah. And it seemed as though the storm was Jonah's end. I'm sure Jonah thought when I jump over, in this, over this boat into this stormy sea, that's it. I'm gone. It's the end of it. But some storms in our life have a purpose. Sometimes we must ask ourselves if we are the reason the storm has come. See, the lot fell on Jonah. When I was running, the lot fell on me. See, Jonah knew the storm was his doing. So Jonah volunteered to be tossed over the boat overboard, and he knew the storm was meant for him. And so we must ask ourselves today, if we're in a storm today, did we have anything to do for did we have anything to to cause a storm? Is it there to get our attention? But I want you to understand this this morning. And God revealed this to me. Don't miss this, okay? God did not send a storm to punish Jonah. He did not send a storm to punish Jonah or to harm Jonah. He sent the storm to bring Jonah to repentance. To turn, to turn Jonah back. See, God wanted to reveal himself to Jonah. God wanted to put Jonah back on the path that he has intended Jonah to be on. And I think if we are going to, or if we're going in the wrong direction, let's put it that way, he'll do the same for us if we'll just listen to him. See, God desires for us to grow closer in the midst of the storms. Whatever he's taking us through, he desires us to turn back and to grow closer to him. See, Jonah thought it was the end of the line. He thought it, about it, he thought it was a punishment from God. I'm sure of the guilt that he had in him. But God had another plan. He had a plan to give Jonah a second chance or a third chance or whatever chance. He, he planned to give Jonah another chance. He had a plan to save Jonah from the storm. And a lot of times the storm is there to get our attention. And you may be surprised by the storm, but God is not surprised by the storm. You may feel like Jonah sometimes. And maybe some of us have got a little bit of Jonah in us. I know I did. So what, what are you going through today that may seem like it's an end? See, the storm is going to be Jonah thought the storm was going to be his end, but in reality, if you really want to think about it, the storm was his source of a rescue. See, I think it's very funny, and this is what caught my attention as a child, that God sent a huge fish to swallow him, not to harm him, but to rescue him. 
You must have th- you got to think about it. If you, ever, if you get swallowed by a fish, it's got to be pretty dark. Okay? He might have thought the storm was, was very dim, but inside that stomach of that fish, it was dark. He's, he, he's, he thought, Lord, it, it went from bad to worse. I mean, can you imagine being in a fish's belly for three days and three nights? Dark, can't move, claustrophobic. Lord, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Whew. He must have thought that if the storm didn't kill him, this will. I've been eaten by a fish. Jonah thought he was safe on the boat to Tarshish. Jonah thought he was in the clear. See, Jonah put Nineveh on a shelf. He put God on a shelf. Out of sight, out of mind. Matter of fact, in the story, if you remember, <laughs> so much out of sight, Jonah fell asleep down in the hold of the boat when the storm was going outside. He didn't even realize he was in a storm. Which question is this? Can we go through storms in our life and not even realize we're in one? Can we get so used to being in, 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 in bad situations that we don't even realize that we're in a storm? Obviously, Jonah had to be awakened to realize he was in a storm. And now, he was at his darkest moment. He was at his darkest moment in a fish's belly. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that dark place? I'm sure not a fish's belly. But have you ever been in a place in life that it just turned completely black? No light in sight. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to turn. See, Jonah was in that place. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, 2, he says, I'm in the land of the dead. And then in verse 4, he says, you have driven me from your presence. See, as uncomfortable as may had seemed for Jonah, as much as Jonah thought this was it, God had him just where he wanted him. He had him just where he wanted him, a place where he could not run, a place where he had a lot of time to think. Matter of fact, three days and three nights to think it over. See, the running for Jonah was done. It was over with. God put a stop to it. Sometimes we have to get to that point in our life. Sometimes a point where we have nowhere else to turn but back to the one we ran from. And it's a turning point. It was a, it was a turning point for me in my life. See, the story says Jonah remembered the Lord in the belly of the fish. He remembered the Lord in his darkest moment. It says that he prayed an earnest prayer while he was in the fish's belly. So he offered songs of praises while he laid, laid in the darkness of the stomach. He could have cursed God. Matter of fact, he, he could have cursed God knowing that he was getting ready to die in the belly of a fish. Or Jonah could do this. He could repent at his darkest moment, and he could turn back to God. He could turn his thoughts back to God, even in the midst of his darkest hour. 
See, Jonah decided to praise him in the belly of the fish. At that moment of des desperation, even though he couldn't even see the light of day, he decided to praise him. Matter of fact, what else is there to do when you have nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn? See, I believe that it's at this point in our life that we realize that God has been there the whole time. That in that darkness, in that belly of the fish, I think Jonah realized that God was with him and that he never left him. For me, uh, I wasn't in a uh, I wasn't in a, a fish's belly, but for me, I was there one day. Um, I, I I had a heart attack. Um, I got hurting at home, and it never would go away. And finally, I told my wife to jump in the truck. We're going to the ER, and I went to the ER and went in there and told them what was going on, and they hooked me up to an EKG, and they said my EKG was perfect. And they said, let's go ahead and put you on IV. Let's get you back here in the back. Let's run some tests. So went back there, and we, we ran some tests, and uh, the doctor came back. He said, well, most of your blood works turned out pretty good, but we're waiting on your enzymes uh, test, and that's going to tell us if you got a blockage. And I said, okay. And my wife said, well, Doc, he's been in pain all day. Can you give him something for pain? So they shot something in my IV, uh, put me down in x-ray, come back. And I'm telling you what, when I came back from x-ray, I felt like going home. I was, I was good. Whatever they gave me, that IV worked. <laughs> I mean, I was feeling really good. <laughs> I went back in there and laid down. And the last thing I remember, my wife was putting lipstick on in the ER. And I'm like, Lord, honey, what are you, what, why do you need lipstick on in the ER? She was. Later on, she said I was flirting with her. But then God cut the lights out. Bam. I flatlined. I don't remember it. All I remember was when I woke up, I had nine heads looking at me. Lights about as bright as that. And I kept getting up, and I kept throwing. This man kept putting something over my, my mouth, and I kept taking it off and taking it off. And they finally said, you need to come over and tell your husband to calm down. He needs to let us do what we, what we do. And so my wife came over there and said, and I didn't know what had happened. I didn't, I, at first I thought it was a dream, but anyway, she said, you've had a heart attack. You need to let these doctors work on you. Well, I stuck my tail between legs that time. And I started saying, what are we doing about it? And uh, they said, we're going to take you to Wilmington. And there was a huge storm outside that night. Ice storm, matter of fact. But what, I, what I'm getting to is that for 45 minutes, I rode in the belly of that ambulance. And, man, you talking about backing up. Boy, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I repent of everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, this can't be happening. Matter of fact, I was bargaining with them. I was pleading with them. But I was also praising them. But I was at a dark moment because I didn't know if I was going to have another heart attack between the time I left Brunswick Hospital to where they were taking me at Wilmington. And I didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to see another day. See, I repented in that ambulance. 
Not that I wasn't saved. I just, I just started saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I haven't done for you. Repentance brings back praises in our hearts. So when, when we're in that dark place, in that, in, in, at that time, praising God, repenting to God, it, it, it brings its praise. And praises brings clarity to, to difficult situations. Jonah praised God in the midst of the belly of a fish. And it's only at that time that we realize that God's our only salvation. Verse 2, 9. God is our only salvation. It's only at this time that we realize that God has been with us the whole time. See, here's my main point right here. In our darkest moments, in our darkest moments, God steps into the darkness with us. When we realize this, we can find hope. And hope brings praises to our heart. So where are you at? I'm going to ask the worship band to go, come back up. Where are you at today? Jonah's a very short book. I know we only read chapters 1 and 2. but And I didn't have time to read chapters 3 and 4. But I'm going to just paraphrase real quick. Because this is a sad part of the story of Jonah. See, after Jonah was saved, in chapter 3, after he was spit out of the belly of the fish, he was obedient to God's calling. He went to Nineveh. He preached the message. He preached the message. And guess what? All of Nineveh, it says in chapter 3, turned from their wicked ways and turned to God. The largest city in that, at that time turned to God. Chapter 4. Jonah goes up on a hill. And he looks over Nineveh. He's wanting to know what's going to happen to the people of Nineveh. God provides him a big old plant to shade him from the sun quickly. God sends a worm and eats the plant up. See, Jonah still could not get over the fact that the people of Nineveh deserved the grace and the mercy of God. He still had a problem. See, although Jonah was obedient to God in chapter 3 by going to Nineveh and to preaching the word to Nineveh, his heart was never aligned with God's heart. Not in the case of the Ninevites. He had a heart issue. It wasn't in line with God's heart. See, if, if, if we are just going through the motions, coming to church, going to our small groups, but if it's just going through the motions, it's not enough. 
our heart must be in line with God. And here's the only way to get there. The only way to get there is to surrender what is holding you back. For Jonah, it was God's mercy for, for Nineveh. He did not have the love for the people of Nineveh because all we could see was the sin. So where are you at this morning? Is your heart in line with God? Can you see the person behind the sin? Can you be merciful as he is merciful? Let us pray. Father, we come to you today to ask that you examine our heart to see if we're running from anything dear father that you desire for us to do to see if we're running from any direction that you decided for us to go down Father, we don't want to run from you. We want to come to you, Lord. And we thank you for the times that we have run. That you never left us. That in that place, dear Father, of loneliness or that place that's dim. And even that place, dear Father, that this gets real dark. We want to thank you for being there right beside of us I just want to ask anyone here in the house today to give you an opportunity that if you do not know him that if you have been running and you've never turned your life over to Jesus Christ I'm going to give you that opportunity now so with heads bowed eyes closed if you want to know him, just raise your hand real high. On this. If you've been running, thank you. If you've been running, now's the time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We had one person that came into the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus.